This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound, brought to you by The Nephilist. I'm Ian Turner and this week my guest is Julian Temple. But first, if you enjoy today's show, please subscribe. Head to gardenofsound.nz and right there on the front page is a variety of links to your favourite podcast providers. Alright, today's guest is Julian Temple. I first discovered Julian and his band at the O'Kane's Bay Festival way back in 2019 and what a magical time. I was blown away by the honesty and the emotion and the raw power of the set that day and I had to set up a chat. Well, it's 2022 and we finally made it happen as Julian recorded his seventh album with Band at Sublime Studio in Kura. The only question is, when will things open up and let Julian offer his new material to the world? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Julian Temple on Plains FM 96.9. Julian, have you got a first memory of music? Definitely, yes. Both my father and mother were professional musicians at one stage. Not so much when I was born, but um, my mother had a big, beautiful, old, antique grand piano. And I used to set up all my toys under there and, and just let her plonk away on her Dixieland jazz. Okay, I was imagining classical for some no, strange no, reason. No, no, all Dixieland. Uh-huh. Yeah, she loved that era, 1920s. Uh-huh. Yeah. And what about your dad? What was he playing? He was more classical, so he was a lute player. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, and you were you were born in San Francisco? Yep. Okay. I wouldn't think the Lute Appreciation Society of San Francisco would have been such a big thing. Oh, San Francisco's a pretty diverse city. It's, yeah. you know, it's... It's been the gay capital of the world for yeah. a long time, and uh-huh. so it's it's ultra liberal. You know, it's an influx. It's a it's a massive port, so you get every culture, yeah, um, living there. So, not so much uh, the loot until he got to Europe in his twenties. Yeah. So yeah, and would there be a bit of mandolin in there as well? No, no, yeah, it no. was all classical. Yeah. Okay, interesting. So a little bit of what Sting sort of got into. Down oh, I, the track. I, I don't know. Did Sting do that? I think so. He was into some kind of fifteenth century kind of kind of thing going on there. What about your your musical education aside from your parents? Did they make you go out and play something? It was really funny because I'm the youngest of three, and my brother and my sister had intense musical training all the way through. You know, um, from quite young ages. Yeah. My sister played violin. My brother played uh, piano and keys, mm-hmm. and I was kind of, by the time they got around to me, they kind of go, oh, well, mm. they, I think they gave up a little bit. <clears throat> and, and it's so funny because I'm the one who ended up being the musician. Being the muso. They're, my sister and my brother are still active to a certain degree, but not, not on them. So was it music by osmosis from your parents and from your, your siblings? You yeah, just it was, we, we, were, we were, you know, engulfed in all kinds of different music. So Yeah. yeah. Um, what about at school? Did you form any bands? In high school, I played in some punk bands, mm. but real, you know, garage, just tinkering. I didn't really 
ever have any yeah serious groups I played with. Were there any big bands coming out of um, San Francisco um, when you were in your teenage years? I wasn't really paying attention to the local scene as much you know the drinking age there is pretty it's 21 21 yeah so i didn't get to go to venues we lived a few doors down from chris isaac okay and so my first ever concert was chris isaac at the fillmore in san francisco okay it's a legendary venue yeah and um but that was just by default because you know we knew him what do you think of chris's music oh look he's a legend really i mean gosh wicked game yeah i mean it's a perfect song. Yeah, it is beautiful. Yeah. And of course, there's his acting prowess, even, you know, Twin Peaks. and Yeah, true, and true. Kind yeah. of thing. He's got he was in there. a strange movie about um, Tibet at one stage as well. Have you ever considered any acting or done any? I have done a bit, actually. Yeah. yeah. What was that in? Um, it was really random. I'd never, I'd loved cinema all my life. But um, these guys I met one night in Dunedin were looking for an actor for this video game they were producing. Okay. And it was this classic crime scene investigation video game and they needed a detective kind of character. And I don't know, I just fell into it. It was really fun. We did about four episodes. Okay. Yeah, it didn't last long, but it was some of the best time. So how the hell did you find yourself in New Zealand? I got really lucky. I got the golden ticket. Um, Okay. When I was a teenager, my father remarried a Kiwi. Okay. Yeah, and straight out of high school, he moved over here, and I came on a surf trip to visit him, and then I just, I just stayed. Uh, where is your favorite surfing spot in New Zealand? God, oh, there's so many. It's it's amazing. But I did land in Dunedin, and I was pretty impressed with the constant swell that we get there. So mm. I, I, yeah, I went to uni there as well. So I have you spent much time back in the US since you've like has grown up? Yeah, so we tried to. We went back a few times, obviously for visits and that to see other family, and um, but then we tried to go back and uh, live there for a few years. Yeah, but yeah, just just didn't didn't sit right. Well, we have three children, and the education system and the healthcare system and the culture is not what we're into, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've talked about punk. At least was that just a thing you were into, or was there you know any sort of like. Anger issues as a teenager? No, no. Look, when I, when I first got, I got my first tape was Bleach by Nirvana. Yep. And um, I, that was it. I was hooked. Yep. And so, um, but then obviously growing up on the coast in California, skater, surfer, punk, it was just what everybody was listening to. It was kind mm. of more what was just around. And we, we, once again, we only got uh, all ages shows were only punk shows out in okay. these weird little halls in the middle yeah. of nowhere. And you'd go see no effects and a roller skating rink. And it was pretty, is there any aspect of the straight edge culture that sort of goes alongside that? There is a bit of that. Yeah. I remember um, there was a big straight edge movement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we didn't really get into that, but yeah. you haven't gotten to any Rollins band or anything kind of. No, 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 not really. Okay. Uh, the first time uh, that I did uh, see you, well, actually the only time that I've seen you play live uh, was at the O'Kane's Bay Music Festival. And I felt anger in your performance. It could have been just extreme emotion. Uh, what are you feeling when you're, when you're playing? Is there some wrong that you're trying to write while you're up there? Oh, that's interesting. You say that. I think, it's progressively gotten more like that. Okay. And I think it's more that I realized I could use my voice in so many different ways from from when I first started anyway. I used to be very kind of 
even keeled, yep. middle, middle of the road, okay. kind of quite smooth yep. and never really faltered out of one kind of, you know, mm. and then I started, I don't know, I guess I did. I started channeling that old grunge obsession. I'll leave that there because it is time to play some music and you've chosen a track by the Pixies. Um, one of my all-time favorite bands. Why? Why are they so important? Uh, once again, my sister My sister gave me all my favorite music as a kid. She'd always buy me a CD for you know my birthday or yeah. Christmas or something. Yeah. And she gave me Doolittle when I was probably about 12 or 13. And yeah, I was just hooked from that moment on. And then I got to see them a couple times. And yeah, yeah I've just always been really, really enthralled with their kind of beauty but ugly at the same time yeah i really rate that any modern acts that you can point your finger at and go they're doing a similar kind of thing oh god there's so many now yeah yeah i mean i love the the lizard wizard you know king gizzard yes and um heaps of dunedin bands obviously that are very in that vein yeah yeah very cool and which pixie track are we going to hear um, I picked this one because I love the outro and I think I actually copied and stole it a few times on different songs. It's a weird phrasing. It's called Number 13, Baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Got hair in a girl that flows to her bones in a
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Julian Temple on Plains FM 96.9. What was the first big gig, amazing, blow your mind gig that you got along to? Gosh. Yeah, it would have been some of those outrageous punk shows that we used to go to when we were teenagers. Mm. Um, there's been so many. It's kind mm. of blurred into one. I think one time I saw Ben Harper in the very early days and their band was so good and the sound was so good and he was just shredding yeah. on the lap, you know, um, yeah. guitar. And I, I was pretty blown away. It was, it was a moment where I was like, I kind of want to do that. That's, that's something I want to do. He's a big surfer as well, isn't he? I think he has gotten into it. I know he was really into skating, okay. skateboarding, yeah. Yep, and he's West Coast as well? He's, yeah, Burbank, LA, okay. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yep. Do you feel sort of somewhat of a, a synergy or a sort of a connection to I his? used to. I used to really be into his music. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, as I aged, I kind of veered away from it. Is there much groove in your music? Big time. Okay. Yeah. Where does that come from? Because I don't necessarily associate it with the punk scene. Yes. Okay. So once again, I was just blasted with so many styles of music. My yep. brother was a massive R&B, funk, okay. soul, yep. um, just yep. appreciator. And yep. that's what he loved to play on the keys and stuff. So yep. he slammed me with Motown and um, okay. all the black music. I just yep. love, yeah. And I guess you've sort of got regimented from your father, maybe in a classical style. You got the Dixie from uh, from your mother. What was your what was your sister sort of playing? Because she was violin? She did play a bit of violin. She got she got into a band in university. I think she was playing bass in a kind of indie rock band. Um she was yeah, she was more my style, kind of rock and roll. But you know, we loved all the greats like Talking Heads and Bowie okay. and all that. So Yeah. We've never been one genre family. It's we just listen to everything. Listen to everything. If it's good, it's good. I don't care what you're playing. And when was your first band experience, whether it was you with a backing band or as a as another group? My first band experience? Mm. Um, yeah, well, I guess playing in the garage with the buddies in high school, but yeah. I didn't really feel like I was in a band until I met my current uh, drummer, Paul, mm-hmm. uh, at uni, and yeah. we, we decided... Months before we even got to play with each other. He was overseas, but yeah. we'd met each other at um, music school and we kind of just had the same vibe and yep. we decided we're going to start a band as soon as you get back. And yeah. He got in on a Tuesday afternoon or whatever and we went straight in and just started playing and that was it. That was, yeah. So. What were your um, uh, shared musical influences? Quite different, quite varied, but we did, you know, him and I, I think both started playing music because of Nirvana. Okay. As as little kids, yeah. Yeah. So that was probably the gelling point. What does the average person who knows of Nirvana, what are they missing out on? They might hear a tortured vocal or a distorted guitar or something that's just really in your face. Yeah, if you don't get it, you don't get it, I guess. I don't understand that because um, it's very complex and yet so simple at the same time. Once again, it's that ugly with beauty Mm -hmm. in it and um he was just so just the way he i don't know his his whole thing was kurt cobain anyway was just i i I, no words sorry yeah i'm a big fan of a guy rick beato who does a whole heap of stuff on youtube and he talks about the genius of uh, cobain's writing at least but 
probably not intentional. Where are you in your writing? Is it is it academic or is it just it's from definitely the heart, not, from the gut? Definitely not. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's definitely gut and heart. Yeah. I tried to study music. I completed a postgrad in music and I loved learning about all that stuff, theory mm-hmm. and all that. But yeah. I've never transferred it over as, I mean, a little bit, obviously. I know that a key change is coming yep. or a yep. you know, change in tempo and mm. the different meters, but no, it's something that just comes through. Yeah. How did you go about pulling together um, this bunch of reprobates um, I refer to <laughs> are just having lunch over at this um, rather sublime installation yes. uh, we have here? How did you go about sort of pulling them together apart from Paul? Yeah, so Paul and I started it off. Um, we had a different bass player then, and it kind of went through quite a few different, you know, it evolved over time, and we kept on adding members, just mostly friends. Yeah. And that's what I think the beauty of our band is just – We've always been all best friends. So for years, uh, CD, our bass player, he was in another band that I just adored, left or right, mm-hmm. they're called. And I just used to revere them. I never thought he'd even want to join the band, but he was just such a good mate. And then we were kind of at a loss for a bass player, and I mentioned it. And he's all, yeah, sure. Mm. And we just have fun. It's just all about the fun. What's it like as a, um, as a gigging musician in our current times? Oh, it's... It's definitely challenging right now. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of just getting used to gigs getting canceled. I'm not too upset when they do now. You know, I'm kind of just waiting for them to call up and go, no, we're we're cutting it. It's disappointing, but there's other things that we can do, like being here, recording new music. And I just hope that there's an end to, I mean, I don't see the end, but I just hope we can get a bit more of a flow going with touring and stuff and when those borders do open up you seem very sort of new zealand uh focused at the moment any opportunities um or any desire to you know go back to the states or oh, australia to- totally yeah. yeah so we've done other states and australia we'd love to go to europe yeah love to go to japan and mm-hmm. southeast Asia. i'd love to do the whole world if i yeah. could yeah um touring has always been the best part of the whole process yeah, yeah. we love it yeah. Absolutely love it. And how does that work with family? Yes, this is a tricky, <laughs> tricky one. This is the thing. Yeah. We found a good balance. For a long time, it was really, really quite hard and yeah. it clashed and it was, we just, but we've, we've, my wife and I have been able to make it work. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. It is time for some music, and we're going to hear a track from Fiona Apple. It's one of my favorites. Awesome. Um, and it's the track Fast As You Can. For those people that haven't heard it, um, what's your, why do you like it, and what's your favorite part of the, um, part of the song? Fiona Apple all round is just kind of one of my all-time favorites. She's just so visceral and in your face. The production is amazing. The musicianship is stunning. I love the fast and slow bits of this song. Yep. Um, I love the chords, the harmony. It's just, yeah. Brilliant. Awesome. I let the beast in too soon. I don't know how to live without my hand on his throat. I fight him always and still. Oh, darling, it's so sweet. You think you know how crazy, how crazy I am. You say you don't spook easy, you won't go, but I know, and I pray that you will. 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Julian Temple on Plains FM 96.9. At the end of this section, we're going to be hearing Upside Down Backwards. What album does this come from? It's the title track. Okay. So it's off the album Upside Upside Down Down Backwards. There we go. Do your research, Ian. How many albums have you put out? 
The one we're recording here at Sublime will be our seventh. Seventh. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. How much has your recording changed between album one and seven? We're taking more time to uh, prepare now. Mm-hmm. We used to kind of just go, oh, we got some songs. Let's record it. Yeah. Oh, let's release it right away and yeah. not even work on it. Yeah. You know, just get it out there. Okay. And that was good while, you know, while it lasted and for that time. But now we're taking a little bit more care of it. Uh, yeah. um, how much are the band involved in the creation of the core of the song or is it all you? No, it's definitely not all me. Um, <clears throat> I usually write the song with the chords and the melody. Yep. But for the most part, the guys have free reign over their parts. Yep. And we just got this cool connection that they basically always play what I kind of want them to play. I don't yeah. ever have to go, oh, can you do this instead? Or, well, you've chosen them for a reason, yeah. I guess. Yeah, oh, I just try to surround myself with the best, man. There you go. I'm, I got to be the worst musician in the band, and I totally am. <laughs> but you hold it all together. Um, upside Down Backwards, what's the um, what's it all about? Ooh, yeah, okay. So this is a cool song. Um, it's kind of a bluesy, um, quite uh, gritty song. It was one that we actually put into the uh, international songwriting competition, which got, you know, um, judged by uh, Tom Waits, who's one of my faves, and Black Francis from the Pixies. So, okay. And it actually got into the finals, so that was really cool. That's um, It's a song about feeling not quite deserving of the person that is giving you the affection. Okay. Yeah. It was recorded in what we called the attic in Dunedin. Mm-hmm. And Paul used to have a uh, working space up there. But it actually used to be a really awesome hub for many musicians had working spaces and they put gigs on there and stuff. Mm. So it was home recording. Uh, what's your experience been like? Um, uh, is this the first time you've recorded with um, Steve and Tom? We have done uh, live in studio okay. right after O'Kane's Bay. Oh, really? Yeah. Came here, yep. So we drove straight from the festival and we'd had such a good time at the festival. Mm. We were feeling pretty like, yeah, wow, you know, like pretty stoked. And we yep. rolled up in the afternoon. We only had a few hours and we just did two tracks just to test out the studio. Wow. Because we'd heard about it and we, I've known Steve for a long time. Andy'd done some drum tracking here. Yeah. And we just wanted to see if we gelled with it for the forthcoming album. And it yeah. totally was so awesome. We said we definitely have to get back there. But that was two years ago now. Yeah. Things kind of slowed down with the whole COVID. And yeah. And now is the right time to to get in. totally. Fantastic. All right, um, we're going to take a slight step back. This is the title track off the album. This is Upside Down, Backwards. When I fulfill the task, I will do anything but ask for your forgiveness. I don't deserve this. And so you got me, girl, wrapped up inside your world. I won't be gone.
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Julian Temple on Plains FM 96.9. Um, how old are you? I just turned 40 last October. Just turned 40. Okay. Let's take a trip back to 20-year-old Julian, at least. What are you going to say to that um, that young-ish man? Probably just ride the wave. Don't worry what's at the end of it because there's not anything at the end of it. Okay. When the wave's done, it's done. Okay. So, so it's all about the ride. Yeah. I know that's very cliche, but I am a surfer. <laughs> it's not a, but that's, it's not a bleak thing, is it? it no. Is it, it is what no. it is. You know? Just, I think I, for a long time, you know, I wanted w- something else that wasn't in front of me. And, you know, obviously you have to have goals and aspirations and work towards something. But mm. at the same time, I think just calm down and go with it. Mm. Yeah. How much do you get to surf these days? A lot. Yeah. Yeah. Is this your your be all and end all in terms of um, income generator? Are there bits on the side? I have to have bits on the side. I've I've done a few stints of, you know, a year here, two years there, being a uh, fully professional, you know, full-time musician. Yep. In the States, I was able to do it easily because there's so many venues, way bigger population. Yeah. Um, Here, it's quite hard. So I've always had to work as well. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because I have a family of five to feed. Okay, yeah, that is that is a, yeah. a reasonable undertaking at least. Um, so you're here, you're recording your seventh album. When do you expect that to to be out in the world? Well, we're hoping that we would get it done by the end of this year. Yeah. Okay. If not sooner. Okay, and then hopefully some touring. Yeah, big, small. This who knows? Is totally. Yeah. I mean, we always tour our albums, um, so we'll just wait until we can. And obviously it would be devastating if we, we've been actually pretty lucky with it. Like so many bands I've seen schedule a tour, get it canceled, schedule again, get it canceled. So we've kind of been able to fit into a few, you know, we've always gotten a little, the little windows in between and we've been able to squeak a tour. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get the same luck for the album. Yeah. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Julian Temple on Plains FM 96.9. And we're about to play mini quiz and test Julian's musical general knowledge. I'm going to give you 10 questions. Uh, It's going to be over the course of 60 seconds. And if you don't know the answer, 
just say pass. Make sense? Okay, there's a nod there, which is all good. All right, Julian Temple, your time starts now. Which 1975 song begins with, is this the real life, is this just fantasy? Pass. Which 2001 film soundtrack includes the songs Your Song and Lady Marmalade? Uh, Moulin Rouge. Which American band is made up of four Followill brothers? What was the name, sorry? The Followill brothers. I probably pronounced that wrong. Is it, is it, it's not Kings of Leon, is it? Which American rock band that formed in California in 1986 was initially called Sweet Children? Ooh, that's at the tip of my tongue. Pass. Which artist released the best-selling album titled Private Dancer in 1984? Oh, God. Um, No. Which band created the fictional character Ruby Tuesday? Oh. Rancid? And your time is up. Okay. Um, You did okay. Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh. Um, well done, Moulin Rouge, uh, Kings of Leon, fantastic. Sweet Children became Green Day. Oh, that's it. That was at the tip of my tongue. I yeah. didn't even know that prior to this. Private dancer. <laughs> Tina Turner. Yeah, t- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was terrible, wasn't it? Um, and who created the fictional character Ruby Tuesday? Uh, that was the Rolling Stones. Oh. So, um, Terrible. It is. I no. It was. It was fine. We've had people who've got one before. So I think you've done. I think you've done particularly well. Five out of ten. Which is fifty percent. Yeah, something along those. Fifty percent. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. We'll go with that. It's abusive statistics, and we love it. We've got time for just one more track today. Cool. um, And it's going to be another one of yours. Uh, Named the Orient Express. I guess first question: Have you ever travelled on the Orient Express? Absolutely not. But okay. I'd love to. Um, where was Orient Express recorded? And what's that? What's that? So all about? we did that in Dunedin at Chicks Hotel with um, a good buddy Tom Bell, and that was on our last album, Antarctica. And it's just one of those songs that we love playing still, yeah. all the time, and we always usually finish the set with it. It's just one of those ones that gets the crowd going. Yeah, yeah, that's super cool. Julian, it's been short but sweet. Thank you so much for coming on the show. No worries, man. Thank you for having me. Don't let on you got your camera 
Okay, it's time for my tracks of the week. Julian had to jump back in session so you get a chance to hear some of the other artists we talked about today. And the first is Chris Isaac. This is Wicked Game, performed live in Melbourne way back in 2006. Check out the held note right towards the end. <laughs>
wicked thing to do Let me dream of you What a wicked thing to say You never felt this way What a wicked thing to do Let me dream of you The next track is from Nirvana and the re-release of their 1993 album In Utero. This is the Steve Albini version of All Apologies. You might say, didn't he produce the album? Well, there's plenty of reading to be done, but the single version was actually produced by Scott Litt, better known for his work with R.E.M. Anyway, as it was intended, All Apologies.
The next number is from Christchurch band Bad Llamas, who I spoke to many moons ago on the show. This diverse little number, and a goodie it is too, is their latest single, and it's called Daydreamer.
Thanks for joining me today on Garden of Sound and thanks to Julian Temple for scoffing his lunch down to chat to me while he was in session at Sublime Studio. Head to gardenofsound.nz and click on Julian's photo to keep up with everything happening with the band. I'm Ian Turner and this has been Garden of Sound. Until next week, keep well, keep listening and keep playing. Inohorao.